0: Actually kind of a hard question if you're in the process of taking it for granted because by definition you wouldn't know that you were, but right? But yeah, we do. We take things for granted. Um, recently, uh, not, so- not really recently anymore, but six months ago or so, um, I just got sick and tired of my cable bill. Um, I don't know about you, but it just like they signed me up for a deal for, you know, a hundred years and they'll give you the first year at a really good deal. And then the next 99 are really expensive. And I was realizing how much money I was spending on TV. And to complicate things for me, my kids all have devices. And like I literally go to my kids and they're watching TV on this tiny device. And I'm like, we have a giant TV right there. Like you're sitting on the couch with your miniature device watching the same thing. This is why God invented TVs. You're supposed to watch them on big screens. And and none of my kids would watch them on the TVs. And so I decided to do a little experiment. I, I thought, what if I just got rid of TV altogether? You know so I, I cut the cords there 's like a mini movement going on, cutting the cords and, and there 's there's ways you can access so now like when there 's something on we want to watch, I, I have to like research on the internet because it 's like a patchwork. I have little devices all over the house, and I have little subscriptions, really inexpensive subscriptions but Um, I knew it was going to be an interesting experiment with my kids who are used to being able to watch whatever they want, whenever they want, right? Because one of the features that we lost was the ability to record whatever show you want. So our house was plunged back into my childhood. Do you remember the days when you knew when your show would come on and you'd be in the house for that time? right? Like now it doesn't matter. Like when's your, when's, when's, you know, whatever show you love, come on, I, pff, I don't know, whenever I wanted to, right? But it used to be Tuesdays at eight, and if you missed it, you had to wait till like next year to watch the reruns. Um, <clears throat> and then there's some, I actually have an antenna again. I have a digital antenna on my house for some local channels, and uh, I, I've had to climb up on the roof. Do you remember doing that when you some of you were younger or like my age? Um, when we first got married, we had these bunny ears on our TV and, and we got one channel, it was NBC, and we would, every night, we like to watch Friends and Jay Leno, and so I would, you know, we would sit there, I remember we would attach stuff, remember, you'd like tape stuff to it, or, or like get a hanger and wrap it around it, and tack it to the wall, like, oh, don't touch, and then, it was always infuriating when you'd walk away, like, and it would go, you're like, wait a second, I have to be here, you know, like, So my kids have been plunged into the 90s, um, but it's been good, Uh, but they've realized that they've taken some stuff for granted. I have many lectures that I've been able to give, Um, so that's always good as a father. Um, So what we're going to talk about today, though, is something that's very basic if you've been a Christian for for any length of time, but it's something that's so basic that we, I believe, lose sight of the uh, profoundness of it. And the impact it has on our lives and our eternity and on the world, um, and so we're we're talking about the mission of Jesus, so radical Jesus, his mission. If you have, uh, you should all have a little bit of, a little handout from me. Um, I do this sometimes, and it. Some people like it, some people don't. But if you like, if it helps you to pay attention, I've given you my major points, and you can fill out a word like you're in preschool again. Um, so you got to listen closely for the word, and you can fill it in. And then on the back, we have a little bit of a contemplative exercise that we'll do at the end of the meeting tonight, um, or today. Sorry. So real quickly, uh, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord's presence on this message. Jesus, we invite your presence. We pray that you would put power um, and anointing and grace on the words that I speak today. And let the word of God, as you promised it will, let it come alive. And let it cut into our hearts and into our spirits, God. And let it be the bread of life to us, God. Let it nourish us and strengthen us and empower us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so let's real—first, first we want to just cover the base of what is the mission or what was the mission of Jesus. And I'm just going to throw up some scriptures. It's pretty easy to figure out. So um, before he was even born, uh, you know, Mary was told that she would give birth to a son and it was to name him Jesus because he would, what? Save people from their sins. Luke, Jesus said of himself, the Son of Man did, uh, came to seek And save the lost. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but a sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, And then, you know, one of the more famous descriptions of his missions when he walks up to the front of the synagogue and takes the scroll and reads a prophecy from Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me right? And now this is the first time this scripture has been fulfilled in their hearing because he's anointed me to proclaim good news, which is, the good news is the gospel, right? That's what gospel means. He's proclaimed the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And if you can, if you're like, know your Bible, and you know, like, when John the Baptist was in prison and about to die, and he sent his disciples out, he had kind of this moment of crisis where he was like, wait, shoot, maybe this isn't the guy, right? So he sends his disciples out, asks Jesus if he's really the one, and Jesus basically says, do you see the, the free be, the free the, the prisoners being set free, and the blind seeing, and like they knew this language meant the Messiah had come, right? He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So I think if we were to really basically, like we could come up with other missions of Jesus, I think. <clears throat> part of his mission was to show us what it looks like to live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Certainly part of his mission was, you know, First John says he came to destroy the works of the enemy, right i mean part of his mission was to fulfill the old covenant and start the new covenant but i think the overarching while well, those are all packed underneath of the great mission which was to save humanity from our sin to come and die the death right that we should die so that we can live a life that we don't deserve to live like that's the mission of jesus to set us free from our sins and i want to i want to read this verse to you i really love i've been reading this a lot lately. Um, by the way, if you're, if you're like a person who loves to listen to teachings, uh, um, Jay Pathak's a teacher um, in Colorado, vineyard. It's the Mile High Vineyard is what it's called. And um, his style, you might not like his style, uh, but he's very smart, intellectual, knows the Bible really well, very passionate about God, and he's doing a series through the book of Ephesians. I've listened to a bunch of them, and uh, if you're someone who likes to read and study a book with someone teaching it, um, and I know some people listen to him at time and a half. Kind of makes it go <laughs> a little faster. But uh, So yeah, you should listen to that. Ephesians 2. As for you, that's us, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Kind of harsh, right? In which you used to live uh, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, We were by nature deserving of wrath. So before we can appreciate, like we're talking about taking for granted, before my kids could appreciate the power of TiVo, the power of the Comcast box, they had to lose it. They had to know what it meant to not have it. So I think those of us who are older might have a greater appreciation for that stuff because we remember what it was like. But even that, you get used to it. So we get, we get used to it. So i want to ask you to do something that we don't do very often, but I want you to tap into your darkest times of your lives. <laughs> Just for a second. Can you think about the darkness in your life? I know we don't like to go there. I mean, I've been a follower of Jesus my whole life, and so for me, um, I don't have that before and after story that some people have where they, you know, my life was a mess and then I met Jesus and now... You know, but even as a follower of Jesus, there are some times of darkness in my life—profound darkness. You I mean, think about times where sin has just dominated your life, and you've been unable to come out from underneath of it, or time when you've uh, you, the hidden fears that you've struggled with and wrestled with that maybe not many people or no one has known about. Times of loss, disappointment—you uh, know, your selfishness, your greed, mistakes that you've made that have hurt other people. You know, and sometimes I think that. We, we get into this mindset that, like, I'm not that bad. There's other people who are way, way worse than me. You know, Jesus saved me. I know I needed a Savior, but, I mean, I was pretty close already. You know, Jesus, he didn't have to do a whole lot of work for me. Like, if you compare me to other people, he really had to work hard. Second um, Corinthians 6 says, What relationship, friendship can light have with darkness? What relationship? None. It's, it's not a gradual scale. It's not a spectrum of goodness. It's an either or. You're either absolutely, like what did Jesus say? Why do you call me good? Only my father is good. You're either absolutely good or you're absolutely not. Right. So like Jim's really good. He's a really good guy. But he's still not perfect. Let's, let's use a physical analogy. Who's, who's tall on this? Bob, you're tall. Bob, can you reach up and touch the ceiling right now, please? Just physically put your hand. I want people to see it. Come on. Everyone else is going to join you. All right. Can Bob touch the ceiling? No. He's closer than, like, if I sat down here. He's closer than me, though. So, like, he's more righteous than me, maybe. But we're still pretty far. Let's all try it. Let's see if anyone can touch. Try your hardest. You could even stand up if you want to. Can anyone even get close to touching the ceiling? No. All right. So it's, it's, it's ridiculous to be like, oh, I got an inch on you, man. I'm on the, st- I'm the highest. That would be ridiculous if I gloated that I'm close, because I'm so far, right? I mean, I could jump, and I, I, I will tell you, I have touched this ceiling, actually, and it was terrifying. <laughs> but I have been up there and changed those light bulbs and touched the ceiling several times, and I'm terrified of heights. But this, this is what humanity is like. You know, if you take a perfectly spotless white piece of paper that's perfect, no, this one's not because you can see the writing through it, but it's totally white, and then you put the most minuscule dot on it, it ceases to be perfectly white. You don't look at it and be like, well, it's almost perfectly white. No. One dot. Now, I would... I would venture that most of us have more than one tiny dot of sin in our lives but you know just making sure we realize that there isn't it isn't like man I'm almost good enough it's an it's an ever like an eternal gulf between us and God that we have no if I were to kill you right now would you have confidence that you could post death control your destiny do you could you can you do that right now could you have power to do that in and of yourself? Do you have any idea how that works? Let's just, okay, let's keep it less spiritual. Dave, could you make it snow right now? I don't think so. right, and you're probably the smartest person in the room, so <laughs> that's why I picked you. If he can't, now I know he was going to think of a way, you know, give me a little bit of time, if I had an airplane, right? So... You know, like, Job and God have that conversation. He's like, do you know where the, you know, the deep sea creatures are kept? Do you know where the snow is? Can you make the sun? Like, God made the sun stop moving once, right? Can you do that? Like, I would love that. Wouldn't you love that? Can you go out and make it stop today? It's a beautiful day. Tom, can you make the sun stop? You could try, couldn't you? <laughs> I want you to get, so here's this, these great quotes from these, um, these old uh, preachers. Light views of sin induce light views of God. See, we, so we live in a culture that everything's okay, and everybody's okay, and feel good about yourself, and let's have some self-esteem, and everybody gets a trophy, right? And I know there's good things for that, but I mean, I have kids during this raising in this time, and you know, the winners get a trophy and the losers get a trophy, and like when I was a kid, that's not how it was, you know? The, only the winners got a trophy, and we didn't get anything when you lost, Right? So any theory that minimizes sin minimizes the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So what it's telling me is if you want to really not take for granted what Jesus has done for you, you and I need to really grasp the depth of our personal darkness. The depth of the the gulf between us and eternity, between us and Jesus and his righteousness. Because if we are devoid of Jesus, we're devoid of all things that Jesus is. Jesus is love, he's light, he's grace, he's forgiveness. You aren't close to that. You aren't deserving of partial of that. There's no partial credit. You, have, you are completely devoid and absent of it until you meet Jesus. And we have no power in and of ourselves to change that. Isaiah says, it is your evil. This is a good, ver- this is a good t- teaching so far. You guys feeling good about yourselves? It's <laughs> is like an, not an American teaching. Um, it is your evil that has separated you from God. Who's evil? My evil. Your sins cause him to turn away from you and hide his face so he does not hear you. Have you ever thought that about God. that's intense, isn't it? All right, but it's good that there's a but in this right here. Okay? So just to refresh you, we were in Ephesians and he was talking about how we were all deserving of wrath. Remember that good part? But because of his great love for us. Why? Let's just really take the scripture in. Like hear it. Not, Not because you earned it. Not because he was beholden to it. And not because he did it for humanity. Like he looked at one individual, he looked at Tom, and he said, because of my great love for Tom, right? Because of my great love for Lynn, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. He breathed life into us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, before we could prove ourselves at all. It's like when Jesus Right, you know, was the Holy Spirit came on Jesus at his baptism and the Father spoke from heaven. He said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus hadn't done anything yet. We start at a place of complete love and acceptance. It is by grace. This is why when we argue with God and we tell him how horrible we are, it's ridiculous. Because God's like, Wait, I, I did a whole lot of work. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us at the heavenly realms. Now, this is a whole other teaching. We can't get into this right now. But he not only just saved us. like It's not like, by the skin of your teeth, I'm letting you in. But you better not act up, because if you do, right? He's, he saved us. He. We'll, we'll get to it. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the in, incomparable riches of his grace. Can you imagine at the end of time when all these sinners and broken people are risen up to eternal life with Jesus, what, how we will finally grasp the riches of his grace. I didn't know your grace could go that far, God. Expressed in his kindness in Christ Jesus, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this isn't from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so you can't boast. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, as I've been studying this, and, and, and um, I, I gave this teaching at Sunday night a, week, a month ago, and it's just, I've been studying it and, and in it, and I was just kept coming back to these uh, eight theological terms that sound really boring. And I couldn't get away from them, and I decided I'm gonna try to teach these eight terms in one teaching, Okay? So now, now this is the part where you're going to have to dial in. You're going to have to bring your A game as listeners. All right? You ready? Because we're going to look at these terms. Can you put the next slide up, Samuel? All right. So we, these are all the things that Jesus accomplished on the cross right here. Okay? Now you, you might not even know what some of those are. I, honestly, I, I don't know what some of those are, and I'm teaching. So those are a lot of things, a lot of Asians, right? He did a lot of Asians on the cross. So I want to boil them down into three major turns. So if you, gra- if you have your notes now, this is the part where you can f- start filling those blanks. So those of you, A plus students. Brie, I can tell you're excited. You're going to have to fill in blanks. You check to make sure you get them right, though. All right? So the first thing he did, remember, we want to appreciate all that God did for us. Okay. So the first thing he did is he reclaimed ownership of us. He reclaimed ownership of us. So the first word is he redeemed us. First Peter says, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold, right? So it wasn't with something like earthly that he redeemed you from your empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ. My, uh, my dad get, bought me a drum set when I was 14 years old um, and it just stayed around. And so when Samuel was like eight or nine, Oh, no. Sorry, I missed an important part of that story. So at some point in my, in my like mid-20s, I got another drum set. So I sold this drum set actually to Michelle. Um, and her daughter learned how to play drums on it. And then at, at some point, her daughter moved out and didn't need it anymore. And I had a son at that point who was playing drums. So I bought my drum set back from Michelle. She, she charged me like five times what I had charged her. <laughs> but uh, not true. And uh, it's still in my house. But, so what I did... The technical term of redeem, I redeemed my drum set. It is to purchase back something you once owned. To pay a price to purchase back something you once owned. And that's what Jesus did. In, in the grand story of the Bible, the great ark, the great narrative, is that he created us for perfect relationship, and we broke that relationship. And so we took ourselves out of the family of God, and he died to bring us back in. He redeemed us. He redeemed us and he made us a chosen people, right? It talks about in 1 Peter, a royal priesthood. So he redeemed us out of the pits of hell, out of our sin, and it was at a great price. Amen? Isn't that exciting? Okay, so we could stop there and I think most of us would be, we should not take that for granted. We should be grateful. That's a good story, yeah? But there's, there's seven more, right? So not only did he redeem us, but he reconciled us. So he could have just redeemed us and said, you guys owe me. I just saved you from hell. And that would be probably right. It would be good. We'd all be happy to be in heaven. But he did more. He reconciled. While we were still sinners, Romans tells us that we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we're reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You know, I've probably said this before, but one of the things that I struggle with most in life is when there's a relational conflict. I, um, I can handle like, other kinds of stress fairly well. I can handle lots of work. I like that, actually. I can handle deadlines. I like those. Um, <clears throat> but relational stress, if I feel that someone's upset with me, especially if, I, if I've done something to harm someone, especially if it's Mandy, um, <laughs> my wife, then <clears throat> it's, it causes me all this internal like, anxiety, like, to the point where you know, you know, the worst thing someone can tell me is, uh, like if I reach out to them, I'm like, we've got to work this out right now. And they're like, you know, no. And then I'm put into this like holding pattern of anxiety and fear and pain. And uh, so now you know my greatest weakness and you can do this to me. If you ever have a beef with me, tell me that you're mad at me and then refuse to work it out for several days and I'll probably be, end up in the hospital, like the psych ward. Okay? Um, uh, it just, it like drives me crazy to be unreconciled. And, like, I'm one of those guys that tends to take Scripture literally. So, you know, like, the whole don't let the sun go down on your anger thing. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've whipped that out in our marriage, right? Um, and Manny's like, it's technically dark already, okay? So we have till tomorrow. Um, but I can't stand not being reconciled. And, you know, what's, what's great, though, is when you reconcile. And I've actually noticed that relationships get more rich if you're able to walk through The breaking and then the mending of a relationship, you know? And maybe not total breaking, but that's true as well. But, you know, the things that happen in normal life. um, You know, I don't know if you guys know, like, our team here of pastors, we've been working together for, like, almost 20 years. And we've been through some ups and downs together. But I think that you would find four incredibly loyal pastors because we've really, we've worked through it. Like, we have... I'll say this about everyone on the team. Everyone on the team is willing to work through their own stuff so that we can stay in harmony. And sometimes it's not like a, a one-day thing, right? Sometimes it's, it's, it takes prayer and work. But our relationships are deep and rich because we've paid the price. And that's true. And so think about the price that Jesus paid to have a relationship with us. And if that's true of like us on this earthly level, you know, it's true of me and Mandy, We've worked through tons of really hard things, and it's deeper because of that. He has gone to the greatest depth. And so there's like this, this ocean of relationship available to us that he's welcomed us to. He's reconciled us to him, which is incredible. But he went even further. So we'll just hit the third one now under him reclaiming ownership. He adopted us. Imagine. Imagine if you had an enemy. You probably don't, but you might. You could think of maybe one. Imagine if you had an enemy who was literally like coming at you, maybe trying to kill you or just trying to destroy your reputation, you know, coming at your, your family. Have you ever had anyone like that? So imagine like um, reconciling with them and then saying, you know what, why don't you just join my family? I'd like to adopt you, you know? That's, that's irrational. <laughs> and, and yet, this is what God does. When, he, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Notice how these are all based around Jesus, his mission, just to bring us back to the point, his death and resurrection. He sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us and so that we might receive adoption to sonship. This is really profound in today's modern time, but I think if possible, it was even more profound in ancient times because it was really all about whose family you were in. You know, your, your property, your finances, like your name was very, very crucial. And so to be adopted into a, like extremely wealthy per- person's family gave you all the privileges of a son. And that's the point that Jesus is, and God, I think we talk a lot about in this church, the point that we're sons and daughters of God and we have access to the blessing, the direction, the protection of the Father that we wouldn't have if we were just slaves. If we were just reconciled, but not adopted. Do you see how each step is so profound? I'm hoping as you read these verses that it gets starts to dig a deeper well in your spirit about what Jesus has done for you. All right. So second, He's removed all debts from our account. Okay. There's three powerful theological words. If you can put the words "powerful" and "theological" together, which I think some of us are okay with that. Uh, three powerful theological words. The first is justified. Justified means that you have a changed standing. You literally go from guilty to innocent. Think about this. You, th- this wasn't just a relational thing that happened, which we just covered in those three terms. This was a legal thing. When Jesus died on the cross and paid the price of his blood for us, he erased our guilt. God demonstrates his own love. See how it's all based in his love, too? This is a different verse, different book. Same theme. Because of his great love for us. Remember, he made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Look how similar. God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. I mean, this is mind-blowing what Jesus has done for us. Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved? So, you know, you've all heard the analogies, right, of the judge who's up there, and you're the, you're the guy on trial, and the judge is like, guilty, and then sentence you to death, and then the judge takes off his robe and walks down and gets in the chair and, you know, pays the penalty for you to go free. And that's essentially what God's doing, because he is totally just and totally merciful. And so he somehow embodies these opposites that we we see as opposite, but somehow he is totally just, but he's found a way for his justice to be satisfied by taking it on himself out of his great love and mercy. God who is rich in mercy. Amen. So that we might know the incomparable riches. So the second word, he is the propitiation for our sins. Right. So he, when he died on the cross, and the reason that he was, he was you know hurting on the way to the cross is he knew this would happen. He took upon himself our sin. Because you think about some of those dark times, some of those sins you've done. And you think about Jesus knowing that and saying, okay, I, I did that. <laughs> I'll, I'll own that one for you. I'll own when you were so angry. You know, I'll own when you filled your body with that stuff, or filled your mind with that stuff, or when you broke that relationship. I'll own that for you. I'll take that on. And you imagine like the the history of humanity just walking up to the cross one at a time and just taking all their sin, all their dirt, all their— imagine how hard that would be for him who had known no sin, right? This is perfect. He is the perfect piece of paper, right? He's totally white. He can touch the ceiling, (laughs) right? He is fully—and yet we're here just pulling him down, pulling him down, weighing him down. He's taking, you know, this sin that, you know, for eternity he was other than, living in perfection, in in light, and he's taking this sin, taking this darkness, taking the disgusting, the revolting, the painful, the darkness on him over and over, and he's just saying, I'll take it, I'll pay it, I'll pay it, I'll pay it. All charges are dropped. And then, like, this is what's crazy. Not only, if you imagine a book with our wrongs in it, not only did he erase that, that'd be cool. You're innocent. Try again. Then he starts writing in your book. He starts writing all this righteousness. He says, we're imputed, that's what that word means, with his righteousness. 2 Corinthians, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. Somehow, miraculously, when we accept the free gift of grace, we are we are made righteous. Now, that's the part that's never really made a lot of sense to me. Because I'm, I'm like a, you know, type A, like A plus B equals C, right? So I do good, then I am good. If I do bad, then I am bad. But somehow, if I do bad, then I am good. Hmm, Interesting, right because Jesus looks at me and he's even in my darkest moments when I'm like Jesus I cry out to you he's looking at my righteousness he looks at me and sees Jesus okay so I'm not saying I'm perfect but I'm saying that he makes me right he gives me his right I can't create that righteousness right Abraham was given righteousness according to his faith it wasn't according to his works So out of his faith in God, he was given righteousness. Do you see how important that is? Because as we become more like Jesus, he's given us, there's, there's no sense of shame anymore. There's no sense of, you know, you come into worship, there's no hurdles or barriers you need to go through. There's no, do these seven things. It's, you are walking in. That's why he says you can boldly approach the throne of grace. You know, that's ridiculous. The throne is a place that if you went and you were sinful, you would die. If man should see God, he would die. But he's saying, now because I've made you righteous, you can boldly approach the throne of grace. Amen. That is radical Jesus. <laughs> it is radical. His mission was so beyond. It's like, it's like if someone told you, a, you know, a dream they had for a ministry, it would be so out there. You'd be like, this you're never gonna That's, you're going to accomplish that. You're biting off way more than you can chew. It's like Jesus just kept adding layer after layer. Not only did he save you, but he reconciled you, and then he adopted you. He cleared all charges, but not only did he clear all charges, but he took them, and he gave you his righteousness. It's the great exchange, right? And then it doesn't stop there. All right, we're almost done. So, third, he made us new. The last two words are regeneration and sanctification. So regeneration is is God gave us a new nature. 2 Corinthians says therefore if anyone's in Christ the new creation has come behold the old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled to us to himself through Christ, and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. So the old is gone, the new has come. He is making us new. And that sanctification is the changing, the ongoing process of changing our character. So we become, you know, from glory to glory, we become more and more like Jesus. So he doesn't just change our eternal standing or position, if you will. He didn't just die so that we could go to heaven, but he lived so that we could live these lives, that we could be the hands and feet of Jesus on earth, that we could represent him, that we could take this ministry of reconciliation. If you read, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I say it all the time. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation if we really appreciated and didn't take for granted the gravity of his grace in our lives, the gravity of his grace of what he's done for us, if we really appreciate it, we would be so overjoyed to radically share that message with others. He is saying from the heart of God, be reconciled to me, to the world. But he's saying it through you and I. And he's, and he's probably thinking, man, there's, there's no way they won't do that because they're, they've got to be blown away by what I've done for them, you know? And then we're, I think, often kind of just taking it for granted, yeah. you know? I mean, it's, it's, um, it's deep if, you really, if we really take time to meditate on it and grab it, what he has done for us. Oh, yeah. So worship team, come back up. How, how I'd like to do this is um, I'd like to give us the next 20 minutes to just respond to the Lord in a multitude of ways, okay? So on the back of your thing, if you, if you are like contemplative type stuff, I've written out some things you can do in prayer during these next few songs. Um, I think on the back of that, what I talk about is how we can respond. So our, his mission and our response can be to live gratefully, to live free and to live missionally, right? To live gratefully, a grateful heart for what he's done, to live free, to not be bonded back again to the things that, you know, he's already freed us from and to live missionally like I just kind of talked about. So you can take some time and pray through that. If you want, you don't have to. We're gonna worship together so you can worship. You can take communion at any time during the next 20 minutes, all right? So we're not gonna have an official communion word because that's basically what the whole teaching was. So if you want to celebrate what he's done for you on the cross, you grab some communion, go back to your chair. Um, you can also come up for prayer at any point during this time. If you would like prayer for, um, for freedom, if you've never committed your life to Jesus before, if you've never received the work that he's done in your heart, or that he's done for you into your heart, you can come up and ask for someone to pray for you about that. Um, if, if you're struggling with an ongoing thing and you want God's freedom, you know, if you have struggled with feeling worthy or feeling loved or feeling accepted by God, any of those things, or honestly, anything else that's going on. Um, some people will be just kind of keeping an eye on the front. You don't have to stand up here the whole time. But if you come up here, someone will pray for you. Okay, why don't we stand together? Where do you want this? Yeah. Jesus, we just thank you for... I mean, I think we could live our whole lives uh, trying to thank you. (laughs) It it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be enough. But we we do thank you, God. We are grateful. I just pray that your spirit would come now. And that the gravity of, of your grace would really come and just minister to us, God. That you would touch our hearts right now, God, that you would open us, open our hearts to just grasp a deeper meaning, a deeper understanding of what you've done for us, God. Your mission to save us and set us free and also to give us a new life, God, let us just really get in touch with you about that today. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you begin to just minister around the room. In Jesus' name.